having you. This is our fourth week in our series. Before we get started, though, I had told you that I had a special announcement this Sunday. And so I want to announce to you, we God has blessed us so much. Look at this summer here. What a great group of people here on a summer service. Praise the Lord. Yeah. And Joel's here. Yeah. No, I'm teasing. I'm kidding. And Hank, I'm sorry. I, um, I just, I love you guys. You're awesome. Here's the thing. We are growing as a church, and as a church grows, you need to add staff, right? That just is kind of how that goes. And I told you last week that we're bringing on our next full-time staff member. And this person in July will graduate with their master's degree. And what's neat about this is this person has worked with us since 2000. They told me, they said, you know, I've had an at MomentumChurch.tv email since 2010. For the last six years, we have used and abused this person. And finally, August 1st, they get to be full-time and help take care of the needs of this body. And so I would like to welcome this person to the stage as you welcome your next full-time staffer here at Momentum Church, Stephanie Robson. Yeah. All right, go sit down. Go sit down. <laughs> no. Here's the thing about Stephanie is um, she's just she's just glue, you know. She loves you people. She's such a, a huge heart, and, and, and we just need that person on the team. And, and so here, basically, just so you kind of know your team, I'm full-time, Pastor Corey's full-time, and Stephanie will be full-time. And then we have Christy, who is our admin. She's about three days a week, which turns into probably four or five, you know. And we have Sarah that's three. That was her husband saying that. And we have Sarah that's about the same way. Three turns into four or five. And so the, 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 the team that's around here most is that. And then we have an incredible group of other servants that, that are on our, our payroll. Very little bit of a blessing to them because they work so much. Like Brian and Jared. And they're all saying, yeah. And, 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 and Brantley. And, and, and I'm, am I forgetting anybody? I'm, I'm, oh, my gosh. How do you forget the bearded wonder? I mean. You know why we call you the bearded wonder? Because we wonder where your beard went. <laughs> when does that come back? No, I'm kidding. So, and Tom, our outreach director. And so, you've got a great team, but it's neat that we can have some full-time people around here to be able to focus on your all's needs. And so, that happens August 1st. But before August 1st, it's summertime. And finances at times in churches can do this. And so, I do, I want to encourage you to be faithful through the summer. When you miss a Sunday, we have three ways to give. If you can, go online and get that set up with your Momentum app. And just be faithful through the summer as we go into August strong. What I love about Momentum Church, every year, July, we see... And we're already seeing it this week. We have guests here, and we're so glad you're here. We start to see July, June, July. A lot of guests come through as they're praying. They're moving to the area. I know we have uh, some people coming up from Florida. Good having you guys. Your friend ratted you out, Peter. Um, and so, but we got people that are moving into the area. They're checking church out. And we always have an increase in July. And then going into August, it just gets crazy, you know. And so we just want to be sure we're ready for that increase. And so the faithful giving allows us to be ready for that. So if you would, open your Bibles this morning to Psalm 133. We're getting into the fourth week of our series. Over the last few weeks, we've been getting our ship together. Everybody say, get your ship together. And it's been a series about relationships. And with it, we first saw our spiritual relationship. We've got to get our spiritual ship together. And then we looked at comparison and how that robs every relationship that we have if we're always comparing. Last week, we looked at our friendships. And we did something last week that was neat. How many in here 
you did that. You took that little sheet of paper, you went around after service, you got a couple other people with you or a couple other couples, and at some point this week, you went and you had supper, lunch, some sort of activity with those people. Did anybody do that? Raise your hands. Yeah, 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 good job, man. That's awesome. Those of you that didn't, you're boring. It's okay. Nobody wants to hang out with you anyhow. No, I'm teasing. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I tease because I love. So when it comes down to it, a lot of people did this. Now, it's not over. So today, if you want to do that, we call, we're calling it, you know, everyone needs Mo Friends. See? Mo Friends. So today, if you want to do that, have some lunch or some supper tonight, maybe with somebody. If you would, you still can do that. Take a picture of that and hashtag I am momentum on that and, I'm, and, 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 and such. And when we see those pictures tomorrow night at staff meeting, we're going to pick the most creative group. And then we're going to bless your group with three gift cards of $30 each to go somewhere. And your group can go again if y'all had a great time together. Or if not, <laughs> two of the three go and they're like, yeah, we, I don't know why you weren't invited. You know, No, no, no. But you can use it individually as well. But we just want to bless you for taking that courageous step out to connect with friends. Because everyone needs, everybody say Mo Friends. Today what we're looking at is our marital relationships. Now here's the thing about this. You may be here today and you say, but I'm single. This is again, like last week, this is both a descriptive and prescriptive sermon. It's one of those things that it describes how we should be, but it also prescribes, or rather it prescribes how we should be, but also describes what we should expect and hope in another person. So if you're single, I would hope you would look at this and say, I want a spouse like that, you know? And then if you're here today and you're like, man, I'm very, very okay in my singleness. That's all right too, amen? And with that, this series, this sermon rather today, can relate to things I believe in your life that allow you to connect in more connection with Jesus, connect with God. And I think it's going to help. So I don't want anybody checking out today as we talk about our marital relationships. Let's stand to our feet like we do. We love to honor God's word. And we're going to start in Psalms 133, Psalms 133. It says this, it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Everyone say, for there. For there the Lord has commanded his blessing, life forevermore. Let's pray. Jesus, show up. This is your people. Lord God, you're the voice we're here to hear. We want to receive from you. Teach us. Stir us. Lord God, there's people that have come in here with hurts and burdens from their marital relationship. Heal us, we pray, Jesus. Just minister to us as we are here looking to you, Lord God, for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have your seat. Years ago, I came across this passage of scripture. I was 19 years old, working at the first church I'd ever worked at. I was there as an intern, but the pastor let me preach. Why? Because there was 14 people there. It was a small church, and it was about a two-year-old church plant, and it was very small. And, and, and I didn't quite understand why it was so small, because they had such great resources, but they were very small. And long story short, within a few weeks of being there, one thing I began to realize really quick, they were disunified. There was no sense of unity in that house. It was, you ever been someplace where people talk behind your back? Or in front of your back? They, don't, they really don't care, you know? It was kind of like that in a sense. And there was always people saying, well, you know, bless their heart. It, was, it, was, it had that flavor. 
and, and then it was old school, too, where we would say brother, you know. And so we would say, Brother Tim, how are you doing, Brother Tim? You good, Brother Tim? You good, Sister Jennifer? You good, Sister Jennifer? But Brother and Sister Walkers, they're, they're good, okay. And then what would happen, though, is I would have a falling out with Tim over something, and I would stop calling him Brother Tim. Just being honest, this is the way I, I noticed this after about a month of being there. And so you would hear somebody go, hey, Tim. And they would ask you something. And then people would hear it. And then they would, is there something going on between Ross and Tim? Or Brother Ross and Tim? Can we call him Brother Tim? You know, it, it, it was mind-blowing, y'all, you know. And it was one of those things to where it was very manipulative. It was very burdensome. It was uh, religious abuse at its best, <laughs> you know. And, 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 and I realized this church needs to walk in unity. And so I'm going to preach a sermon. And I come across this passage of scripture. And I wanted to preach it regarding the unity that you have within a body, within a church. It says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And, and I believe a church should dwell together in unity. Amen? And that's pleasant and that's good. And I preach a sermon regarding that. And, and this is where this, this talk kind of comes from. But... But with that, years later, I'm doing counseling for a couple in premarital counseling, and this passage of Scripture popped in my mind. And I thought, you know, behold how good and pleasant it is for husband and wife to dwell together in unity. And my mind started thinking about this, because if you think about it, in the earth, one of the greatest unities beside the church is the unity between a man and a woman. It's just, it is one of the greatest bonds that you find in the earth. It's one of the greatest ordained bonds that God places in the earth be, beside his church. And, and so with that, I thought this is very apropos when it comes to the idea of, of the unity that we should strive for between husband and wife. And so I started to look at it for that church sermon, and then God has revealed to me, to me through the years how this really plays out with us as, as God's people. So I want to walk down through this. Is that okay? So it's good and it's pleasant to dwell together in unity. How many married folk here at times you don't have, um, it's not always unified in the house. Yeah. When that happens, it's neither good nor is it pleasant, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good and it's pleasant when you're striving for unity. And when it doesn't happen, it's not. And so here what's beautiful is there's some promises that come. Because think about unity. The Bible will tell us things like this. Where two or three gather together in my name, I am in the midst of them. That's Jesus showing up. So when there's unity, there's a promise of presence. When there's unity, Jesus shows up, you know. And so there's a promise of presence in your marriage when there's unity that Jesus will show up. You know, the Bible will talk about how if two or three gather together agreeing on anything in my name, they can say to a mountain, be removed and be thrown into the sea. So when there's unity in your relationship, guess what? Not only is there presence, there's also power. Say that, presence and power. Say it like a Pentecostal, presence and power. Oh, there we go. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so there's presence and there's power that shows up when Jesus shows up. Doesn't it make sense the enemy of our heart will do anything he can to keep a church disunified? But it also makes sense the enemy of our heart would do anything he can to keep a marriage disunified. Because when the marriage is in unity, when the church is in unity, man, his presence shows up and his power shows up. And so with that, here's some of the things that happen when you walk in unity. It says it's like the precious oil that comes down upon the head of Aaron, down upon his beard. We got a lot of men with fine beards in here, Ronnie. That's a fine beard. Comes down upon his beard, down upon his shoulders, down upon his vestments. It's like that anointing 
oil that comes down. Well, who in the world is Aaron? And, and, and when I was 19 preparing this sermon, as far as for that church, I, had, I went to the commentary. I needed to know what in the world is this talking about. And what this is, Moses was the prophet. And he said, let my people go. Pharaoh releases the people. The people leave. When they get out into the wilderness, at some point, Aaron, Moses' brother, begins to be called and commissioned by God to be the priest. And when he was called to be the priest, they put oil upon his head, and it poured down upon his beard and upon his clothes. He was anointed, say anointed, to be a priest. He was anointed to be a priest. Here it says how good and how pleasant it is when you dwell in unity. It is like a priestly anointing that comes. That's neat. Okay, that's neat for a few reasons. A priest is someone who mediates between God and man. He represents God to men, men back to God. He is that mediator between God and men. The church in the world ought to mediate between God and the world. The church, behold how good and pleasant for the church, for brethren to dwell together. That unity should create something that is a priestly touch on us that we mediate well around the world, the things of God. But often, because we're not in unity with God, we're not in unity with each other, we become known more as a church for what we're against than what we're for, for what we hate than what we love. You know what I'm saying? All right? Well, now let's take that to the marriage, because the marriage, I believe, again, is one of the best unities that you can absolutely have in the world. And so with that, when it comes down to it, there is a priesthood in that marriage that you are representing who God is to your children. You're representing who God is to your friends and to your family. And it doesn't mean that you're perfect by any means. You know, God knows Amy's not. Okay. And I feel bad my wife's not here right now. She is, she's gone. She, she um, backslid. And pray for her. No, she was home with a couple people because our, we're doing our friends thing today at our house. We got people, they're there right now. They just left the first service. They went, the women, and they're cooking. They're getting the food going for us. So, um, like women should. That's, you, know I don't, you know I don't believe that. You know I don't believe that. You know, I, you know Amy won't let me believe that, you know. <laughs> All right, let's keep preaching. Let's keep preaching. So when it comes down to it, this idea of being a priest, you represent God to your kids and to to the people around you and all those things. It makes sense. The enemy would love to rob that power of that priesthood, you know. But what happens is that priest, there's an anointing that makes you a priest. You can't just be a priest all by yourself, right? God's touch on you. So God has a promise that when you strive for unity, his anointing comes. That's what makes you a mediator. I'd be a horrible mediator all by myself. I need the touch of God. You'd be a horrible mediator for God without his touch on your life. Amen? And we need his touch on our life because marriage is hard. You need his touch in the midst of your marriage. No matter how good a person you are, man, you need the anointing of God. Check this out. The anointing, the oil, if you will, in the Old Testament times, it would be used for medicinal purposes. At times, I am sick with self. I'm just being honest. I have an addiction to me. Because that, how many is addicted to themselves a little? No. Yeah, you are. You know, you have that addiction to self. And because of that, I need healing. I need medicine. The anointing of God helps me to understand that he is everything. I am little. I am nothing. And that my wife, I can put her before my own needs because God has ordered it that way. That I look out for her before even myself as I serve her the way Jesus served the church. You know? 
And so the anointing comes as a medicine, if you will. The anointing comes as a salve that when things are dry and cracked and brittle and your heart and your relationship just feels bone dry, you know. The anointing of God, when you strive for unity, will come as a salve. And them ashy elbows and ashy knees, you know. He'll come and just make it all. God shows up in our marriage. God shows up in our house. Isn't that good? Now listen, I'm not going to tell you a whole lot today on how to have a better marriage. I'm going to tell you a lot today on how to get your eyes on Jesus. Okay? So we look to Jesus, and he is the one that brings that anointing, that touch upon us. And and that's a wonderful thing. In modern times, obviously, this is kind of mixing the metaphor a little because this is modern. I'm speaking to modern times. You have gears. How many gearheads in here? Motorheads, you know? You have gears. Without oil, those gears will grate on each other. I would drive Amy crazy without Jesus and Amy's life. How many um, believe that is true? Uh, Put your hands down. Put your hands down, please. I would. I would. And she is all, I know she looks perfect. She's not. Pert near, as my grandma would say. Pert near. She's not. She would drive me crazy and great on me if it wasn't for God's work in both of our lives, you know. So, So there's that idea of that oil. It goes on to the next verse. So how good and how pleasant it is, it's like this oil that comes that allows us to represent God in the earth. That oil, that medicine, that, that cure, that touch for our sickness of self. You know, it all that comes on us. Number three, or the verse three rather, it says it's also like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. It's like the dew of Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And, and with that, I, as a young man, I, what does that mean? So I looked it up and in the commentaries and where is Hermon and what in the world could this possibly mean? And Hermon's about 9,800 feet above sea level. Jerusalem is lower. Hermon is in the northern part of the, the country. And, and literally the dew that comes on the mountain of Hermon will make its way when there's a strong rain, make its way all the way down to the Mount of Zion, which is Jerusalem. That place of, everybody say, peace. Isn't that neat? Scripture always shows water as, as something that, that, that represents the spirit, something that represents the, the, the life of God that we can partake in. It, it represents refreshing throughout Scripture. What it says is that there can be a move of God in your relationship that keeps you refreshed. When I think of the word refresh, my mind goes to the passage of Scripture that says without repentance. It says in repentance comes seasons of refreshing. You know? I love that. Uh, to me, if I'm going to walk in this unity, I've got to have a heart that's repentant. I bring that to the table of my marriage. I look to Jesus first. God, what is wrong in my life? Where am I missing it? Not what's wrong with Amy. Jesus, show me. As I have a relationship with you, show me where I'm missing it. And I come with a sense of repentance to God for me, not for her, for myself. And as I come with that heart of repentance and he deals with me, it creates in me an ability to be a better husband. I look to him, and somehow he helps me look after her better, you know. That repentance, it brings refreshing. And so for me, that dew of Hermon that comes down upon the mountain of Zion, that place of peace, man, God wants to bring a refreshing to your relationship. It makes sense that this promise of his presence, this promise of his, 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 his peace that comes, it makes sense the enemy of our heart would try to bring division, doesn't it? The final part of the scripture, in verse 3, it says, For there, everybody say, for there again. Yeah. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Life forevermore. I love this because it says there's a commanded blessing. Where? Where there's unity. 
Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And then we get to the end. For there, that place of peace, that place, if you will, of spiritual Jerusalem, that place of God's shalom, that place where you lack nothing, that place, there God commands his blessing. I love it. Here's why I love it. There's another place in Scripture where it says that. The only other place that I know of in Scripture where it says, For there God commands blessing. And it was when the prophet came by the widow at Zarephath. She had just enough meal and just enough oil, okay, to make a little cake. And they're going to eat it, and her son and her are going to die. And the prophet says, Look to me first. And look to God first. Take care of this first. And when you get your eyes and your focus on that, okay, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but do this first. And when you do so, God will take care of the rest. Okay? Again, paraphrasing. And so what happens is she does that. In the end, that famine continued to last through the land. It said every time she would go to get her meal and her oil, every time that there was enough that God continued to provide. You know why? It said because for there, the Lord commanded his blessing. Where? That place of the meal, that place of the, 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 the oil, that, that place that was offered to God, that place to where focus was put on God first, and then there came the blessing, life forevermore. I love it when God commands a blessing. You know why? It happens. Let there be light. There's light. Rise and walk. They're walking. Lazarus, come forth. Here he comes. I don't know what in your life needs the commanded blessing of the Lord in your marriage. I don't know what might feel dead. All I know is this passage says, if I strive for unity, I can expect the presence of God. I can expect the peace and power of God. I can expect here, I can expect the provision of God. Isn't that good? I want to strive for unity in my relationship. It's not just about Amy. It's about me getting my eyes on Jesus. And so we together can walk this path till death do us part, all right? In Amos chapter 3, verse 3, it says, how can two walk together unless they're agreed? I love that. This is so simple. If we're not in agreement, we can't walk together. And, and now, you, you understand that. There's people that break up. It's not because somebody cheated. It's not because of this or that. It's because of irreconcilable differences, you know. They just stopped walking together. And there's a phenomenon in our country right now that one of the highest rates of divorce is that 25-year mark. You think you got it figured out by then, right? But it's becoming more and more increasing in the percentage of divorce in that age group. Why? Because I believe the kids are gone, you know. I, I believe there's the little differences. We stopped walking together a long time ago, you know. I did my thing, she did her thing, and now here we are. 25 years later, and the kids have left us alone. And what do we do? You know, this is why Amy and I keep having children. (laughs) That was our fix. (laughs) Amy was just like, I can never be left alone with you. (laughs) You know, it's so, no. Because truth of the matter is, Amy and I, we don't always see eye to eye. We have differences, yet in those differences, we've learned to walk hand in hand. We have differences. I don't always agree with Amy, but I do strive to always be in agreement with Jesus. And Amy doesn't always agree with me, but I do. I'm confident my wife does strive to always be in agreement with Jesus. And can those two be different? Yes, because we're two different people. And here's the thing about that. There's a difference between approval and acceptance, okay? 
lot of times in our marital relationships, if we don't agree on something, we say, I don't approve of that. Well, Amy's an adult. In the first service, Amy went, amen. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to approve everything that she, she does. You know what I mean? I'm an adult. I don't... But I've learned through time, I accept her. I take it without protest, you know. In the first service, I looked at her. She's sitting where my daughter, Adelie. Hey, Addie. Okay, she's sitting there. And so I looked at her, and I said, for, for once, I'll give you an example. For, Amy is notoriously late. I will never approve of her being late. You know, she's just, she's always late. That's just, I love my wife. She's often late. But just like that, she'll never approve of me often being chubby. She loves me, okay, and she accepts me. That's a powerful thing. But does she approve? No, you know. Do I approve of her view? No. And there's other deeper things I'm not going to tell you, okay. But when it comes down to it, with that idea of approval and acceptance, people will change more readily in an atmosphere of acceptance over an atmosphere of confrontation every time. There's something powerful about accepting you and your flaws and your struggles. I know that. At times, her and I get into it about things, but if we both are in agreement with Jesus, we keep our eyes on Jesus, we get through it, you know? So again, I'm not telling you how to have a happy marriage. I'm telling you to get your eyes on Jesus. When you're in a boat, focusing on the same thing will keep you in the boat. For instance, whitewater, okay? We're in a whitewater situation, and there's a gap up there that we see. There's rocks to the right, rocks to the left, and there's a gap in between, and there's a gap over there. If she, I'd be in the back of the boat, because that's where men ride. Come on. Okay, so I'm, I'm sounding so sexist today. I'm just being silly. So if I'm back here, okay, and I'm trying to guide us to that gap, and she's looking at that gap, and she's trying to work the front to get us to that gap, we're going to end up on the rocks. We're going to end up tipping over, you know. I mean, I, I, it's one of those things to where, you know, that's the next point. Go ahead and let's just see it there. It's one of those things to where focusing on the same thing will keep you in the boat. You have your eyes on the same goal, the same thing, and you're going to get to the place you need to get to, right? And, and, and you've heard of the word object fixation. What you look at, that's what you hit. That's not always bad. Sometimes that's good in a relationship. And when you're looking at the same thing, especially if that same thing is Jesus, right? Here, look at this. A lot of times in life, um, let's go to the triangle. So a lot of times in life, there's Amy and me. And with that, our opinion, my opinion is at the exact opposite of her opinion. You see that? We're, we're spread apart on that, on that um, triangle completely. But if we get our eyes on Jesus, look at this, okay, and we begin to both move toward Jesus, in agreement with Jesus, with his pleasure and his goodwill at the center of our desires, then it draws us to that X that marks the spot of unity. It draws us. We, we may still have some differences of opinion, but Jesus is the center of everything. Our eyes are on Jesus. And you may say, but Ross, what do I do when my spouse doesn't serve the Lord? Get your eyes on Jesus. That's all. God's taking care of your spouse. There's something beautiful in theology called the prevenient grace of God. And this idea of grace, it's the grace that keeps you until the grace comes that saves you, you know? And I believe that that spouse of yours, I'm not saying they're saved, but God's grace is involved. Or you would have killed them. You know? And so you get your eyes on Jesus, and Jesus is doing the rest on that other side, you know. And you getting your eyes on Jesus might just change you, and you, your spouse just might like you, you know. Your spouse might see in you a reason to follow the Jesus you espouse. 
you know? Now, I don't want to put that burden so much on you that you feel it's you doing it because that's legalism and that's the law and we're delivered from the law. That's why I'm talking about grace. But all I'm saying is get your eyes on Jesus and it'll put your heart in a grace place where he can do what he needs to do in your spouse's life to get them to that place. Amen? So, but do guard your heart on legalism in that area, you know? And so that triangle you can see. But here's the thing. A lot of times there's one thing in our life that has that potential to tip everything over. I, I'm calling it a rock, a stone. I gave you guys each a stone. You know, if, if, if you, when I took the kids up in the canoe years ago, I took my little guys. I mean, they were small then, Grant and, and, um, and Auburn. I took them. You remember Carter's Lake, how deep? And I was telling them, guys, you got to be careful. This lake's like almost 500 feet deep, you know. Wow. You know, you could tell that got their attention. I was nervous they would fall out. We had life jackets. Still, I was just afraid that Amy would kill me if I lost a child. <laughs> but the idea of reaching over to grab something would take me off balance, and we would tip over if you're not careful. So that stone, that one, what is that one thing that threatens to tip you over? What's that one thing that you just have a hard time giving to God? Maybe it's something that you are frustrated with your spouse over, but that one thing that gets your eyes off Jesus, that one thing that makes you stop reaching to the Lord, what, what is that one, that stone of offense, if you will? What is that one, that one thing? I think of Peter and how he could have walked on the water, but he got his eyes off Jesus, and he started to sink. Jesus reaches to him, and thank God he reached back, and he got his hand in the hand of the man that calms the waters, and he brought him into the boat. But what if you wouldn't reach to Jesus? What's that one thing that keeps us far from God? What's that one thing that keeps us away from God's best for us? What is that one thing in your life? That's your stone. And I want you to hold that stone. Everybody has a stone? Pull it out. Hold it in your hand. All right. Here in a moment, the band's going to sing a song. As they sing it, I want you to think about what that might be. All right. That one thing that if you reach for it, you know, that one thing that if you got to try to hold on to it, over time it's going to throw you off and you're going to be wet. It's going to capsize the marriage. Well, it could be offense, something you just won't let go. It, it could be jealousy. You just have a hard time believing her eyes are only for you, and you're, you're killing her with jealousy. Maybe for you it's addiction. Maybe you struggle with porn, and it robs you of your intimacy with your wife. Maybe you struggle with alcohol or pills, and you find yourself in a stupor when your spouse needs you the most, and you're kind of in a stupor half the time. And, and it's that one thing that is killing the marriage. It's that one thing you need to look to Jesus and deal with Jesus with and allow him to have his healing work in your life. Maybe it's a comparison, as I preached a few weeks ago. And you will not let your husband, listen women, you will not let your husband feel like anything but a project. No man wants to feel like a project. But because of comparison, you place your man in a position where he constantly feels like you're trying to work on him, trying to fix him, trying to work on him. He's a project. Does that make sense? Maybe for you as a, a man toward the wife, man, she sees those second glances you give to the girl that's a lot younger and a lot prettier as far as the world would say right now. Because there's some age on that wife and girl. That's a beautiful thing. I'm loving getting older with my wife. You know, I, I am. I mean, she's got all that gray hair. I think it's awesome. It's awesome. She's not, she's not here. Yeah. All right. So. They'll edit that, right? Okay. No, I love, I am, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying the wife of my youth and seeing us get older. It's neat. It really is, you know. But there's things that I hold on to that I got to let go.
to be the man I need to be. And I can't do that without just getting my eyes on Jesus and going toward him. And as I go toward him, he begins to take care of those things. And every time I get my eyes off him, I get selfish. And those things rise up and it hurts my marriage. And so I need to look to Jesus. It's that one thing. And so as we sing, as they sing this song, part of the song is a song that, that, that will draw you in. And the last part is a song of worship as God speaks over your life. Just allow the Lord to show you that one thing. Amen? And then we'll come back and minister to more.
out of that relationship we love our spouse the way Christ loves the church so when it comes to our relationship those things that at times we hold against our spouse God I choose to lay that down and get my eyes on you that one thing that we try to hold on that throws us off balance can I ask you something that one thing is it worth holding on to is it worth holding on to if over time it slowly causes you to list and tip and be in a dangerous place of capsizing. Stand to our feet if you would. If you're married today, just draw close to your spouse right now. If you're single, I, I want you to take this and 
stride and in your mind think, God, what is that one thing that at times I know is an offense to you? Take that stone this week for those that are married. Maybe have a conversation here the next today or the next few days. And I know at times I struggle with this. I'm looking to Jesus and I want to set it aside. Will you pray with me, Amy? Will you pray with me that I can set that aside? That our boat can be strong and true. Will you pray with me that our marriage can be strong and true? As we look to Jesus together and she would do the same to me and say those things to me. And so right now, hold your spouse. Just get them real close. Just get real close. Father, in your name, I ask that you would reveal to us those things that have the potential to capsize us. And that, Lord, our focus would be on you and our reach, our grasp that we try to hold on to would be you, Jesus. And in doing so, Lord, we'd be able to let go of that stone and be able to take tightly the hand of our spouse. And as that scripture said in Amos 3.3, that we could walk together in agreement. And Lord, in that walking, we could expect the promises of your presence. We could expect the promise, Lord God, of your, your, your peace and your, your, your provision, Jesus, and your power. Lord, today, we will not allow this stone, this thing, to keep us from your best. Look up here. If you would this week, over the next few weeks even, put this someplace so it's a reminder. And not so much a reminder, I need to stop that, or I need to quit this, or I need to start this, or, but a reminder, I need to get my eyes on Jesus. Maybe take my eyes off the offense of my wife that frustrates me. Get my eyes on Jesus. You know? But put it someplace to be a reminder. Jesus, as they do that, would you visit? You're a speaking God. Would you speak to their hearts? Draw them close to you. And as both do that, God, draw them close to together to that place where there's a strong bond that is not able to be broken. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.